The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Branson. The Pimps, the Players, the Hustlers, the people of Boston, and everybody else in between. Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers, a wild one that went back and forth. And I guess this is depending on your number because there were fours out there. It was 122-118 final score. If you bet the over, you get there. Boston gets there uh, with the in-game numbers. It was a wild game, but depending, I don't know, it was four and a half, four, whatever. It was right there. Milwaukee uh, beat up on the Golden State Warriors 128 to 111 tonight. Giannis had uh, 30, 12, and 5 this evening. Curry had uh, 20, 10, uh, 6 rebounds and an assist. That was another whacked out number. There were some bad, weak numbers tonight in the NBA. It's going to happen, right? It's overwhelming for everybody. It's overwhelming for the better. There's so many games and stuff. And all, like the odds makers, it's not like, you know, I've said it before. When I was younger, I went to, you know, this is in in Vegas in like, um, I guess it was like 1988 or something like that. I was able to bet. You're supposed to be 21, but, but, you know what I'm saying? There were certain places. You know what was crazy? I remember I was going to Vegas. Like I said, I looked older, but um, Fremont Street would ask you for ID, but like the, the strip places wouldn't at the time. Right, they didn't. I remember, like, I used to bet at the Mirage when I was a kid, and like the Flamingo, and like a bunch of places. But uh, I remember, I, I remember, I got kicked out of a few places on Fremont. I was playing slots. I got a tap on the shoulder. Excuse me, sir, do you have ID? <laughs> but so in the old days, like I said, it's like you know, 1987 type thing, 1988, 1987. Um, there was there was a sports book called Leroy's. Said it wasn't like a glamour sports book. It was like basically like just a little shop. And it was literally the the blackboard. And I never forget, I thought it was so cool as a kid. There was like a fat guy smoking a cigar with a fedora and stuff, and he was putting the lines up. And I was like, yeah, this, is, you know, this, is what, this, this is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. It's not like that now, right? Like it's all it's all just a computer program. 
all these point spreads, like they don't do anything. Like you know, when you hear, oh, he's an odds maker in Vegas, like they're not set numbers. They, there's a guideline, a number is set, the computer sets the number, and they can put a half point on or a half point off if they know, oh, well, we got a lot of Laker money here. Well, we have a lot of 49er fans to bet here, right? Like the numbers are basically set. So, but at times still, there's weird numbers, right? There just are. You know, we tell people, and people ask, oh, can you make money betting? Can you make a living betting on sports? Yeah, you can. It, you know, the problem with that is you can if you're disciplined. But the problem is the type of people that want to make a living betting on sports generally are not disciplined people in their life, right? It's sort of this catch-22. If you are patient, which we are not always, but if you are patient and you just sort of wait for these numbers to come to you, you could kill them. Philadelphia four-point favorites over Sacramento. It's level two. This is Portrait. I am Gabriel Moranzi. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of bustling with everybody else in between. We got a full house here tonight. Great stuff with Andrew McKinnis. The first hour just flew by. That's why we call it the quickest 100 name. It's the Sports Talk Radio. Shout out to everybody joining us in San Diego. The mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Surprisingly enough... Um, San Diego did not sign Carlos Correa. I only say that because they've signed everybody else. It's like breaking news. We have a big-time signing that didn't, you know, doesn't involve San Diego. The San Francisco Giants. The San Francisco Giants. Man, they wanted Bryce Harper. They didn't get him. They wanted Giancarlo Stanton. They didn't get him in past years. They wanted Aaron Judge. They s- struck out. They did not strike out with Carlos Correa. 13-year deal, though. 13 years. So, yeah, Carlos uh, Correa... Gets the highest uh, contract uh, for any uh, any shortstop in uh, in baseball history. As the musical chairs, the musical chairs is going to start slowing down now. We're starting to run out of players. There's, there's still a few. Swanson's a big one right now. The Los Angeles Dodgers have been suspiciously silent uh, throughout all of this uh, process. And one thing moving forward for the Los Angeles Dodgers, which I think if you're a San Diego fan, it's actually a good thing, is that the Dodgers don't like long-term deals. And they were able to get away with this uh, in the past. Right? They were able to get away with this, right? You know what I mean? They didn't, you know, they didn't want to lose Corey Seager. They didn't want to give him a seven-year deal. They were like, ah, oh, we'll go four or five. I think they went up to five. Right? And time and time again, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper wanted to sign with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers offered him a ton of money, but like for like three, four years. I think they said, yeah, you know what? We'll give you like, you know, we'll make you the first $50 million a year player, which was a lot at the time. I think they offered him like something. I think they offered him like 180 million bucks for four years or something. Yet all these, you know, the, 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 these superstars, they want longer term contracts because the contract is guaranteed and they know they're going to get paid even though they're, when they're old and broken down, they're still going to be owed the money, right? So the Dodgers aren't going to be able to sign anybody because everybody else is given 10, 12, 13 year deals. 13 years? Isn't Carlos Correa like already kind of old? <laughs> 13 years? I, I got to tell you, I'm not sure Earth is still going to be around in 13 years. That's his portrait. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? 
could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Bradsey. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people who bust them, and everybody else in between. Merrick Brave will step up and in in a couple of moments. Uh, we will um, talk about the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins game from the Dolphin uh, perspective. I am a Bills fan, but uh, see, we, 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 we show all sides. We even had Ohio State guys on before the Michigan game, and I'm a Michigan fan. But um, So we've got Merrick Brave on. We'll talk Dolphins, Bills, football. We haven't gone to the World Cup yet, and I know our boy Matias is all fired up. And, you know, before the World Cup started, we talked about legacies. And, you know, we, we talked about how legacies were on the line for countries and for individual players as well. We talked about Neymar. Even though Neymar and Brazil didn't win, the fact that Neymar scored a goal as late as he did, you know what I mean? It's not held against him. So, uh, you know, Neymar's legacy is not tainted, but he was held back from, you know, taking that next step into sainthood. Um, We talked about, you know, England and everyone's different legacies here. But Messi has done everything in a game, obviously, except win the World Cup. And he's on fire right now. I mean, the guy is automatic in, in, in the box when it comes to a penalty kick. Uh, today was just a straight laser, Matthias. Laser, right? That one. Like, a lot of dudes, you're like, I don't know, he might miss. You know what I mean? With Messi, you're like, no, he's not going to miss. Like, and what's 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 crazy about Messi to me on these penalty kicks is why it must be so difficult to stop Matthias. You'll notice he never goes back to the same thing. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'd like to see a highlight reel by a montage of each penalty kick goal that he's taken. You know, sometimes he'll clown you and just sort of slow roll it. If he wants, like today, he was all business. He went top shelf, missile, bullet, right? Just like, you can't stop that. Like, it came in to like 98 miles an hour or something. Like, boom, right? Like, he just smoked it. He goes low. He goes high. He goes slow. He'll go off speed. He'll drill it. Very difficult for a netminder, Matthias, when there's no real book on what's he going to do in the penalty uh, area, the dude can score in any way in the penalty kick area. Very impressive. And I know it's, his passing is magnificent as well, setting up Alvarez. But, um, you know, him in the penalty area, in that box, in the penalty kicks, as I stated, watch. Every goal he scores is different in the penalty kick area. Fascinating. Very impressive stuff. 
Gabe, you've said it, and right now he is lit. You know, in Spanish we say está enchufado, and he, he is on it right now. And that PK today, it, like you said, laser focused, no hesitation, top corner, it, very tough to do, easier said than done. And, yeah, he's leading the team, and the whole team is playing for him right now. That's the thing. Like, watching this Argentina team, they're just pushing forward, but they're also believing in whatever they're doing. They feel like there's nobody in this world that could beat that team right now, and that's how they play. You know, can, can they be shocked by, you know, can they be struck by lightning this Sunday against France or against Morocco? Absolutely. You know, th they have to stay focused. They lost to Saudi Arabia in the first game of this World Cup, and that was a reality check for that team. I think that's the best thing that could have happened to them, actually, after winning 36 straight games in a row. You lose to a team that nobody thought could beat you and it literally put them right into the zone against a, not a dangerous Mexico team but a, a Mexico team that was desperate to win that was one of the toughest games of this World Cup for Argentina along with Holland was beating that Mexico team because it was so much pressure to win they couldn't tie because they, they have tied, had they have had a favorable path here let's call it out for what it is yeah they, well we said that when we saw their group Mexico Poland yeah. Saudi Arabia well, we thought they'd have to play Brazil right? Right, Brazil got knocked off, so that's one thing. We all thought, you know, like, that, guys, like, basically, it should have been Brazil today, right? We could have, yeah. should have, would have, but it wasn't, right? Brazil versus as well, Argentina. We as an Argentinian, we would have loved to have played Brazil. You know, sure, we could lose, but beating Brazil in a World Cup, there's nothing like that. That's yeah. a challenge that you win, and that, and that right there goes in the history books I don't know why. for a major win. I don't know why Ronaldinho was cheering for Argentina. So you see, he was clapping. This guy is going to get shot in Brazil for that stuff. That's Messi, Gabe. You know, Messi and Ronaldinho playing yeah, together in Barcelona. Everybody's rooting for him. Everybody's Everyone rooting for is. to get that cup. That's the whole thing. Everyone really is. Like, I want to say, well, not everyone is, but unless you are French, from France, or have money on France, it is the Messi show. And one thing, you know, you got to say about players and the great players, the great, great, great ones. Like speaking of the great one, Wayne Gretzky, we were talking about him earlier. You know, yeah, Wayne Gretzky scored a lot of goals. He also had like even more assists, right? Wayne Gretzky makes people around him better. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, like everyone's going to score now because we, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, there's just sort of this trickle down effect. Like true superstars make the other players on the team better and put them in a position to succeed, not just themselves. We were talking about that with Ovechkin where it's just sort of him. Do you know what I mean? Sort of like LeBron's like, does LeBron make anyone else better or does LeBron just put up his points, right? It's one of those deals. But I can't argue that, that Messi, you know, like Ronaldo scored a lot of big goals. He's got the Euro championship to his credit. But he doesn't make people better. Right, he'll just bury it for you, but he doesn't make people better. He stands on his own. He's a selfish dude, and you know what I mean? He'll score, but he's a selfish dude. He's not going to make you better. He's not going to make a team better. He's, he's just going to score. But it really is fascinating to see how, like, Messi's vision of the passes and how quick it happens and just what he sees and uh, incredible stuff. And what's crazy, too, is um, I see a picture of uh, of Messi taking uh, pictures with a bunch of like little kids and fans, and one of the fans was Julian uh, Julian Alvarez as a, as a little kid. So they've they've come they've come a long way uh, right now. So the thing with Messi is, if they lose in the final, let's say it's to France. If they lost to Morocco, it'd be different. But if they lost to France, and it's like a you know, and it'll, it's going to be a classic match probably. And it's assuming France gets there. Let's just, I'm just saying, people aren't going to say, oh, he's a choker, he didn't win, or like, that's not going to happen. But if he does win, then, 
I don't know. Like he's gonna be like we talked about sainthood and stuff. Because I I gotta be honest. I see. I'm watching a lot of different of these shows from coverage from there, Matthias. You know what I mean? So I'm watching the Fox shows. I'm watching the BBC shows. I'm watching the uh, the TSN uh, Canadian coverage shows. Right? You know, they all have a bunch of former players and this and that. And all everyone's got, like, panelists and stuff. And every one of them is all in all messy. I saw an interview with the Team Canada players. They asked them, like, which, which player would you like to meet here? Like, and who would you like to trade jerseys with? And they all said Messi. Every one of them. <laughs> it was like Messi, Messi, Messi. Right? It wasn't Ronaldo. It wasn't like Madre. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? It wasn't Mbappe. A few guys said Mbappe. A couple of the younger kids said Mbappe. But, you know, it's, it's amazing the, the respect that people have for this guy. And like you said, he's on fire. I mean, this guy, this, this is unbelievable football that he's playing right now. This, the, the entire team is playing uh, right now. That was a dominant performance. I didn't like that penalty kick. It is what it is, Matias. To me, when you're playing for a World Cup uh, final spot, if there's a collision, there's a collision. But the ball did get past him. I get it. Um, but with all that being stated, it didn't matter. I mean, the, the Argentina dominated them today. And now they can kick back and, and watch what happens. And, you know, I'm sure we can say, well, I'm sure Argentina want Morocco to upset France. But... We've just seen what Morocco have done to these world powers. So if they're able to knock off France, they could knock off Argentina as well. So whatever's going to happen is going to happen, Matthias. But it does feel, I, if, I don't think France are not going to get it done tomorrow. France are going to win this game tomorrow. I think so, too. I think France is going to win this game tomorrow. I actually have them finishing in a six-leg parlay. It's going to be bittersweet. I thought my buddy sees it, and he's like, how do you feel about this? And I'm like, you know what? I don't care about the 500 or 600 bucks. I'm about to make off this ticket if France wins. If Morocco wins, I'll have my hands in the sky. You know, not from, like, thinking Argentina's going to win, but it does present a lesser challenge. You know, France is scary. I don't, you know, I don't... Uh, who, who's going to stop Mbappe? That's always the number one question for me. Who's going to stop Mbappe? And I can't give you an answer because I don't know anybody that can really stop Mbappe right now. For the record, I know you and I disagree on whether that should have been a penalty. Gary Neville says it should not have been a penalty. Yet I see Alan Shear says the referee made the right call. It's okay. a debate. And I saw panelists debating it as well, and guys had different opinions on it. Bye. I think it should not have been a penalty. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. 
all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The late night anger management class. This is Portridge. I am Renzi. The late night anger management class. Sirius XM channel 159. All right, we're talking about the World Cup uh, right now. Merrick Brave will join us in the next segment. We'll talk about the uh, the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills game and the Miami Dolphins season moving forward in level three, the third hour of the program. Steve Merrill joins us. We're going to talk about the bowl games, some college basketball, and, uh, and more uh, with Steve. So somebody in our chat, who is it, Legs in, uh, in Vegas, Asked, um, I said, oh, I'm watching all these shows and stuff. Said, how the hell is Ocho Cinco on? Why is Ocho Cinco on the Fox Soccer Show, the World Cup Show? Why is he in Qatar? And the thing is, I don't have a problem with Ocho's, Ocho Cinco being on the show. I've watched the show, and he does a good job on the show. He 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 doesn't try to take over. I've noticed he defers a lot. He'll ask a player. He'll give his opinion, and then he'll say, what do you think? Like, he'll ask, like, the player sitting next to him, but he'll give his opinion. They're trying to expand, you know, and listen, Fox is always going to want to have a little bit of the entertainment aspect to it, right? They got Alexi Lawless doing his thing, and, like, but, you know, the thing is, I don't know how you feel, but you, I'm sure you know, but Ocho Cinco's a big soccer fan. Like, the guy's into it for real. Like, he follows the Euro Leagues closely. He played soccer. Like, when he retired from the NFL, he played. He played in uh, he played in Mexico, right? He played one game for uh, for uh, Monterey. Um, like, he's a big soccer fan. Like, he's he's really into soccer. He's always hey, been into soccer. Didn't he even try out for the MLS team? Didn't he even get an yeah. open tryout? Yeah, he's been no, he's been in Vienna. Well, like I said, he played in Mexico. He played for he played one game and he played a game in Mexico. I remember um, watching him play. He had some major speed. I remember running, watching him run down yes. the line, but he had a terrible touch. He, he had no touch, man. Yeah, yeah, no, he was getting open, no, bro. <laughs> right, he was blazing down, and the ball would sort of be wild. But like, he has a passion for the sport, though. Like he does. And another thing is, guys, you can say he's also friends with a lot of these guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's buddies with them. I mean, say what you will, Ocho Senko is a respected dude. I mean, the guy was a hell of an athlete. So he's friends with a lot of these soccer players as well. So he has little stories. And, oh, I was talking to this guy, and I was talking to that guy and stuff. Like, he, you know, he knows, he knows, like, and he's not the lead guy. That's the whole thing. Like, he's not up there. Oh, what does Ocho think? Oh, he's just one of the guys on the couch. They have a couch there, and there's a bunch of dudes there and a girl. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't have a problem with it. It's not the show I've been watching the most. Uh, it's a little flashy. You know what I mean? It's, you know what I mean? it's like... I like the British stuff, Matthias. Anytime like I can soak in the British stuff, right? Just because I know they do it all the time. It's not like, oh, we're just covering the World Cup because, you know, we have the rights to it. No, they live and breathe this stuff. So, like, I enjoy the BBC. BBC has like a half hour, hour deal, like every night type thing that I catch when I can. TSN's been around the clock. The Canadian TV coverage has been very good, like, of the World Cup. Like, it's just constant. Like... They have their own productions. They have, like, every show, every pregame, every highlight. You name it, they got it. Like, they're milking. Like, they they paid the money for the rights, and they're using them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's 24-7. It's, like, on all the time. Like, just constant interviews, breakdowns, previews. Like, um, 
So that's why I'm, you know, I've enjoyed it though. I'm, I'm just always sad to see this stuff end, but we got bowl season coming up. I'm glad though we got the Euro in two years, Matthias, and we've got the um, we got the Euro coming up, and we've got uh, the Copa America now that it's going to be in America and the USA, Mexico, and Canada are in it. Uh, we got the World Cup in four years, so the next couple of years are going to be fun for soccer fans in North America, which is going to be super cool. So an incredible performance by Messi. Um, it's amazing, too, because I'm very good at international soccer betting, guys. Right? I have always done well with this stuff. I love soccer. I follow the, It's funny. I follow the MLS. I go to MLS games. Um, I used to follow the Premier League a lot. Like, I used to be an Arsenal fan, and I was all in and stuff. Like, you know what I mean? I had Arsenal gear, and I watched every week. But in the old days, in the Terry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp days, going, you know, the, the old school, right? Terry Henry is one of my favorite players of all time. I love Terry Henry. So, um, they even he coached my team. Mbappe, Gabe. Thierry yeah, exactly. Mbappe is a young speed, Terry Henry. Touch, that finish. He knows how to put the ball in the back of the goal, man. With speed, he, he's so dangerous. He's faster than Henry, though, even. Very similar. Yeah, he is faster. Absolutely. <laughs> Literally. Yes. He's a speed, he, he looks like a cheetah yeah. when he runs down the field. You can't catch him. I just saw the Terry highlight Henry, of, the Messi, of the Messi goal today, the third goal that Messi assisted on, and I thought to myself, if that was Mbappe, they wouldn't, it wouldn't even have been a body-to-body challenge down the line. It, he would have just been gone. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mbappe would have been gone. I'm going to take Mbappe to score a goal tomorrow, but one thing about Morocco, Matias, and Matias played soccer, was a goaltender, played high-level soccer, played University of Hawaii as well. Um one thing about Morocco, they're hard to score on, bro. Like, they, you know what I mean? Like, for hockey fans tuning in, imagine the trap where they're basically, they're just a wall. Like, in hockey, you know what I mean? Teams, Matias, they'll just put off, they'll just drop everyone back. It's like there's a wall of five guys that you got to go through. <laughs> like, it's like you have no choice but to dump the puck in, and then they get it. Like, and it's called, you know, the trap. And Morocco basically do that. Like you notice, Matthias, when like when you're on their side of the field, bro, there's like ten like they have every player in the box. Like they cover every lane. Like they really block the passing lanes well, Morocco. And their goalie is elite, the kid from Montreal, the Bono dude. Um, he's a good netminder. Uh he's good. He's played in the Liga and stuff with Atletico Madrid. And, like, he's played elite. You know, he's a big-time goalie, but they're very good defensively. Their midfielders don't give the ball up. They're, they're, they're tough to score on, but France are crafty, right? France, that's the thing. You notice Argentina, they get their goals with sort of, they lull you to sleep, and there's a big pass, and they sort of get the big run, and then boom, there's a penalty or there's a big play, and, you know, it's like, bam. France operate differently, Matthias, as you know. They like that tic-tac-toe stuff in the box, right? They like to figure it out. <laughs> like They're like, okay, this is your defense that you're setting up on us. We're just going to sort of play it around like, to me, France, it's fascinating to watch, Matthias, how good they are in tight spaces. You know what I mean? Like, there's a dude right in front of them, and they'll do, like, a no-look backwards pass to somebody. <laughs> like, It's like, wow. Like, they really are crafty in tight spaces, these guys. Well, they got speed and they have touch, Gabe. And when you have that, you're a very dangerous team. And that's how the French also won the World Cup in 2018 with, with speed and with touch and with a killer instinct. And, you know, we saw that killer instinct uh, for the French against England in their last game. They faced adversity in that game, I'd have to say. England was. They a just team. expect to win. 
They expect yeah. to win, France. They, exactly, and they come up big at the end of the game. You know, England was was playing a great second half, and if anything, yeah. people were probably watching that and. Yeah, but let's be real. They got lucky that Kane England. sailed that ball over the crossbar, yeah. bro. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's wild <laughs> stuff. When they scored a goal, like England was on top of France, and then boom, they get a massive header. You know, a header from God for Giroud. It's just unreal, and they win the game. It's just. That's been Olivier the play, but Morocco, like you, like you touted them, Gabe. They have played very disciplined soccer for an African nation. They have, like you said, they they stay in the back. They clog the, the box, bro. It's the best way, the they, shortest way to put it. They clog they the box up, up, Gabe. When they go up, they're dangerous, and they trust what they do on their counterattack. You know, and they don't make stupid decisions. Actually, when they get up there, if you notice, when they attack. There, there's, there's always they're dangerous. You know, they have a killer instinct when they don't give away stupid mistake passes either. When they go up, they go up there with purpose, and then they get back down as a team. So it's hard to score on them because they've been very disciplined on not sending too many guys up. And when they do send guys up, they almost score or they get that goal. And once they get that goal, it's like you have a whole nation behind you because they defend well. And they got yep. the fans rooting them on with that energy, and it just kind of sails through. And the team, you know, look at Portugal as the oh, game Fran- through, France. They got more. France are the villains. France are the villains, oh, yeah. man. Like absolutely what Morocco are the Cinderella. They're the Cinderella, not to mention people already think they're arrogant, right? Like France as a country has that reputation. The the team has that sort of air about them. Mbappe has that air. But you know what I mean? Like it's just sort of, oh, yeah, here come the French. You know what I mean? Again, oh, boy, here we go. When they come into the room. And then you got the Messi stuff where I can't argue. It seems like everyone in the side, yeah, everyone's pulling for Messi to win this. They want him. It's almost they want him to win, and so Ronaldo doesn't have it, too. I've noticed, Matias. I've seen a lot of that. That, oh, he's going to get a World Cup, and, and Ronaldo never did. Right? There's a lot of that sort of, like, kick Ronaldo when he's down stuff. Uh, right now, there's brutal, this soccer, this soccer drama behind the scenes. <laughs> but um, Fra- France should handle their business tomorrow. I don't know. I thought it was going to be lower scoring. I thought Argentina would have had today. It seems like every game sort of gets to three. Even though we just said Morocco are hard to score on, France are going to find a way. We did tell you guys to take the penalty kicks in both games, though, remember? Um, And we cashed it today at plus 225. What's your prediction for tomorrow, Matias? What's your score prediction? I think it's 3-1 France, and I pray that I'm wrong. That's a lot of goals. Morocco wins 1-0. Yeah, I think there's going to be goals, Gabe. I think there's going to be goals. I think France is going to find some openings on the counterattack, and it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be a fun and exciting game, actually, both ways. You know, it's going to be entertaining to watch with a lot of speed on both sides of the ball. Much if France had Benzema, too. They don't even have him. They don't even have Kareem. They don't have Conte, Gabe. The, the, I think their their biggest player is actually the smallest player that they're missing, which is their center midfielder, Conte, who is the man. You know, if you go back to that last World Cup where they won, he was one of the biggest reasons why they won. And they're also missing Paul Pogba. Killer. Um, Eden Hazard coming to the MLS. We'll have more soccer transfer news on the other side. After Merrick Bray, bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Continues. This is Sports Ranch. I am Gabriel Morenzo. We're breaking it down. Sirius XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, wherever you may be. Let's talk some Miami Dolphin football right now as they take on the Buffalo Bills on Saturday night. That's right, Saturday night uh, football uh, this week. Pro wrestler, head coach at Black and Brave Wrestling Academy in Davenport, Iowa, steps up and in, and of course a contributor to the Finn Sider, the one and only Merrick Brave, kicks it with us. Merrick, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Hey, happy to be here, Gabe. Let's rock and roll. So let's do this thing. So first things first, I've got to ask you about the heaters on the sidelines um, in Los Angeles because it's going to be a hell of a lot colder in Buffalo. Although I do say this in which it can get cold, right? It's all relative. You know what I mean? If, if it's cold in, you know, on the sidelines, it's cold on the sidelines. I was uh, at a, a Raider game a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was cold inside the dome myself. But I'm a you know, middle-aged man that's sitting in the stands and not a professional athlete <laughs> that's defeated uh, by the cold. But all kidding aside, we're going to have a nasty weather game on Saturday. Yeah, it looks like it. You know, I've seen some reports online that talk about maybe upwards of seven inches of snow. Um, You know, I'm not a weather guy myself, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't snow in Miami. So uh, the Dolphins are definitely going to have to make some adjustments. And, hell, maybe they were just testing out those heaters, making sure they worked correctly in anticipation of this game on Saturday. (laughs) Exactly. So, So all kidding aside, not just the weather. I think there's there's some adapting that needs to go on. The last couple of games, the wheels have sort of fallen off offensively. They've only scored 17 points per game. Defensively, they're getting pushed around a little bit. I know, like, Tua, people are going to talk about Tua and wait. Oh, my God, I told you Tua was terrible. And people are going to point the finger at Tua. But it seems to me, and you follow this team closer than anybody, seems to me it's just sort of a collective a collective breakdown as a whole, specifically on the defensive side of the football. What's your take on the past couple of games and what needs to be fixed moving forward? No, I definitely think you're right. There are, are there's some big adjustments that need to be made. I think against the 49ers, I'd put that more on Tua. I thought, you know, there were some good play calls there, and the offense was set 
up and, and put in a position to succeed, but Tua was off. His accuracy wasn't there. You know, that's the type of quarterback that Tua is. He His superpower is his accuracy, his timing, and that just wasn't there against the 49ers. So if you don't have your superpowers, you're not going to win. Conversely, against the Chargers, I actually put that loss on Mike McDaniel because it almost felt like he was trying to force his game plan, even though it seems that opposing defensive coordinators have kind of figured out what you need to do to, to defend against this offense. You know, the, the 49ers dropped their linebackers in coverage, taking away the intermediate, you know, middle parts of the field. And then the Chargers kind of added their own wrinkle by, by running a lot of press coverage and bumping the wide receivers from Miami off the line of scrimmage. So they weren't able to, you know, get into their routes, get into their breaks with that timing that, that Tua likes. And unfortunately, McDaniel didn't adjust. And we all saw what happened. The offense looked bad and, and Tua looked bad as well. He was 10 of 28 for 145 yards. That hasn't been his game this season. So they need to make some adjustments if they want to have any shot this Saturday in Buffalo. You're exactly right. I see the same thing, and I think the same thing. I actually sort of think of the Los Angeles Rams. The year that they went to the Super Bowl, the loss to the Patriots, remember when, like, for the first 9, 10 weeks, 11, 12 weeks, whatever, they were pretty dominant. They were putting up a bunch of points and stuff. An almost similar situation. It got colder. I think they went to Chicago. They got slowed down a little bit. And it was one of those, well, don't worry about it. They're, you know, They've already won so many games. It's going to be okay. But then in the Super Bowl, it wasn't okay when they got held to three points. And I think the same thing about McDaniel right now, that it's up to him to realize that other coaches and defensive coordinators have figured out his offense at this point. And it's up to him to have some wrinkles to it. It's as simple as that, isn't it? I mean, it's time to, to have some wrinkles in it. And on the defensive side of the football, I just think, too, they're a little finesse, right? I think the physicality, that's another thing. I guess basically, long story short, teams are getting physical on both sides of the football. Get physical with the wide receivers off the break, off the line of scrimmage, and then conversely on the other side of the football, just really just man up. Because quite frankly, this, this Dolphin defense is more finesse than a smash-melt defense. Let's call it out for what it is. Yeah, I think Josh Boyer has some adjustments he needs to make as well. He didn't get... Uh, you know, he didn't get the, the type of defense that he's used to running when Byron Jones uh, had off-season ankle surgery in March. He waited until March for some reason. Uh, you know, the thought process was that he'll be back and ready for the beginning of the year, and then that didn't happen. And then they kept kicking the can down the road. Byron Jones will be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. And then this week, we kind of got, you know, our most honest answer from Coach McDaniel on Byron Jones's status uh, and whether he'll return this year. And you know, at this point, McDaniel says it'll be a bonus if they get Byron Jones back. So when your defense is predicated on having two lockdown, shutdown, man cover corners like Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, and then you don't get Byron Jones for the entire year, and Xavier Howard injures both of his groins early on and tries to play through it, that's going to change the type of defense that you can run and the type of defense that you planned on running. So uh, they traded for Bradley Chubb. He's been decent. He hasn't been stellar since he's been in Miami, um, and they're trying to, you know, kind of adapt and adjust on the fly. They're still working through it. I was actually encouraged somewhat. I know it sounds weird to say against LA because Justin Herbert kind of ate him up, but they did have some good moments. I thought there were some poor 
defensive calls, mainly on, uh, I think, a third and goal from the 17-yard line. They played a prevent defense. Chargers got 16 yards, and then on fourth and one, they ran it in for the touchdown. So those types of things can't happen, especially against Buffalo, one of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL, if the Dolphins are going to want to succeed going forward. We're breaking it down with America Brave from the Finsider. So I wanted to ask you, America, because we talked about Mike Isicki, and coming into the year, some people said, you know what, McDaniel, it's not a big, you know, the tight end's not a big part of his offense. And people wondered where Gasicki was going to fit in uh, into this. And he obviously had some spectacular catches early in the season. He had some touchdowns and the dances and all that type of stuff. But over the last three games, he doesn't have one catch. He's been targeted just four times. What's up with that? And, you know, that's what we talk about. It seems like just the everything in the offense is just a little bit out of sync uh, right now. What's your opinion on why Gusecki's not getting targeted or not getting any catches? Well, I don't think Gusecki's been seeing the field as often. Um, you know, Teron Armstead went down with a pec injury. He missed the, the 49ers game. Uh, and he was hobbled uh, this past week against the Chargers. So I think when you have uh, a left tackle who's either out or banged up, you're going to want a big-bodied tight end like a Durham Smythe in there to help chip uh, those edge rushers that are coming off that side there, where, where Teron Armstead would usually be able to, to take his man one-on-one. So Gesicki's not known for his blocking prowess. He's not a big-body guy. He's more of a, 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 you know, we're talking about the finesse of the Dolphins. He's in that mold. He's a finesse guy. So when you don't see the field, you're not going to run the routes and you're not going to get the targets. So uh, they franchise tagged Gesicki this offseason. He's costing the Dolphins $10.9 million this season. Uh, I can almost guarantee at this point that you won't see Mike Gesicki in a Miami Dolphins uniform next year. Yeah, clearly you can't pay that much money to a, to a player that isn't isn't in the coach's plan, really. You know what I mean? Ultimately, I guess I think a lot of people were right looking at the big picture with Kasiki uh, here. And as far as Chubb is concerned, I saw an interesting graph as far as the amount of plays uh, that he has played uh, with the Miami Dolphins. And I guess what I'm getting at is some people are saying, you know, why isn't he on the field more? considering the defensive problems that they've had. Like, he played 71% of the time. So 71% of the defensive uh, snaps, he was on the field uh, with the Denver Broncos. I get that it's a new system, but it's been like 62%. It was 62% in the last game, 57% in the game before that, 62%. In your opinion, should Chubb be on the field more as well? Are you wondering, or is he just part of a rotation right now, and do you like that? Well, I do think he is part of a rotation. The Dolphins have a pretty good defensive line. They have a, uh, a few good edge rushers in Jalen Phillips, Melvin Ingram, Andrew Van Ginkle, and then Bradley Chubb. So I can see why his snaps might be down a little bit in Miami. But for me personally, if you're going to go out and you're going to trade a first-round pick for this guy and then give him a massive extension like the Dolphins did, he needs to be a key piece of your defense. So if he's only on the field just north of 60% of plays, that needs to change and that needs to change in a hurry because we've seen from his time in Denver that he is an impact player. And he's collected a couple sacks since being in Miami, but he, if he was on the field more, you'd think that those numbers would go up. So, like I said, Josh Boyer, the Dolphins defensive coordinator, he has a lot of adjustments to make, just like the offense does. Um, and hopefully he's able to do that. And hopefully one of those adjustments is getting Bradley Chubb more snaps and allowing him to be more of an impact player for this defense. 
Merrick, how do you think the game plays out on Saturday, and how do you think the rest of the season plays out for the Dolphins? So it's Dolphins at Bills, Packers at Dolphins, Dolphins at Patriots, Jets at Dolphins. So they're going to have to deal with two bad weather games. It's not going to be nice on January 1st against the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Then they close out with the Jets. Is this a 2-2 two and two finish, a 3-1 and one finish? How do you think they close the season out? Well, they better hope it's at least a 2-2 two and two finish because right now you're sitting at eight wins, and when you look at the, the playoff landscape for the rest of the AFC, it's looking like you're going to need at least 10 wins to be able to squeak on in there. I'm not super confident going into this game on Saturday night. I wish I, wish I could sit here and lie to you and tell you that the Dolphins are going to get things figured out and they're going to be able to go up to Buffalo and, and beat, beat the Bills for the second time this season. Yeah, tough but, to sweep them, know, Eric. That's the thing. Plus, it's a revenge spot for the Bills. Them. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? Until he proves otherwise, Tua Tonga-Vailoa has shown that he is not a, a quality quarterback when playing in inclement weather conditions. You know, last year against the Tennessee Titans in Nashville, he had an opportunity to win that game and, and essentially guarantee the Dolphins a playoff berth after starting the season 1-7. and seven. And, uh, you know, it was a cold, rainy day, freezing rain in Nashville, and he played one of his worst games of his career. So uh, I'm not – overly confident on Saturday. Um, I almost wonder, though, if it does snow, maybe it actually forces Mike McDaniel to play a more traditional style football game and not just rely on these 15 to 20 yard routes every play, which haven't been working these past two weeks. And maybe this is what McDaniel needs to, to finally run the damn ball. You know, he had against the Texans, which the Dolphins did win that game, they're, they were the, the worst rushing defense in the league, and he barely ran the ball against them. Same thing against the 49ers. They called eight designed run plays. That's, that's not a recipe for a championship football team. They always tell you, play good defense, run the ball, everything else will take care of itself. Well, right now the Dolphins aren't playing great defense, and they can't run the ball at all. So maybe the snow, the weather will force McDaniel to actually run the ball on Saturday, and who knows, maybe that will actually benefit this team moving forward. Forward. 96 yards the last two games on the ground as as we were stating earlier just sort of nothing is going well suddenly everything is just sort of out of sync for the Miami Dolphins right now and it's hard to get in sync when you're playing the Buffalo Bills in uh, in Orchard Park New York Merrick Brave it's great stuff um, if you guys want to follow the Dolphins the Finsider is the place if you want to learn how to wrestle then Black and Brave is the place as well Merrick Brave follow him on Twitter Brave 13 Merrick it's always a pleasure my man thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us Hey, thanks for having me on. We'll talk soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. 
the collide of football pads, the squeak of shoes on a basketball court, the crack of the bat on a home run, the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Branson. Thanks to Merrick Brave for kicking it with us. Looking forward to that Miami Dolphin uh, Buffalo Bill football game. Of course, the Dolphins beat the Bills earlier in the year. Um, the Bills are, I think the Bills are going to win this game. Listen, the Dolphins are on, you know, Dolphins, you just heard, the Dolphins are not playing good football right now. Nothing is working for them. Their defense is falling apart. Two is like just too beat up now. It's finally caught up to them. They're taking away the Hill and uh, and Waddle. They don't have a ground game. It's, 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 it's snowballing, literally and figuratively. Like, this is a snowball effect for the Dolphins right now. Doesn't mean they can't get out of this, but it's tough going into Buffalo. It's going to be bad weather. It's supposed to snow. Uh, it's going to be windy. It's going to be wet. It's going to be one of those Buffalo nights, which we've talked about this in the past. The Bills' offense does get slowed down in this Buffalo weather. The difference is they're at least used to it. So, like, they can sort of will themselves to 24 points, 27 points in bad weather. And you roll in there and you're like, oh, my God, this is windy. Or, oh, my God, this field. Like, you know, Buffalo can be a, a tough place to play when the weather is bad. The, the stadium's in the middle of nowhere, right? It really is. Anyone that's been there knows. But without being stated, you notice with the Bills, they're not really like smoking teams. No one's really smoking teams now. You know what I mean? Unless, you know, you play a cupcake. But, you know, like the Bills, okay, they keep on laying these nine-point spreads, seven and a half, nine and a half, and they either barely don't cover or they get backdoored. Like, are they really just going to kill the Miami Dolphins? I don't know. And I'm not, listen, I'm a lifelong Buffalo Bill fan, and I say this. I'm going to load up on the Bills, though, in like money line parlays and teasers. Buffalo are not losing his football game. Are France going to lose their football game? We'll break it down. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.